Hey everybody, it's Erica Dunlap, Miss America 2004. You're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Fialdo. Hey everybody, welcome to the Life After the Crown podcast, where each episode I bring you useful interviews with former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who are now succeeding across many different industries in the real world. My name is Tim Tialdo, lifestyle entrepreneur, pageant host, author, and quite honestly, somebody who just wants to help you become a better person overall. Now, if pageant life is over for you, or it soon could be, and you're wondering, well, what do I do now, or what's next? This podcast is designed to help make the transition to real life and the school of hard knocks a little bit easier for you to handle. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're with us today. Let's get started. My guest today is considered by many to be a true renaissance woman. She is an entrepreneur, role model, author, performer, and goodwill ambassador. She first hit the national scene when she was crowned Miss America 2004, and she was actually the seventh black woman to win the national crown, and she is the only black woman, by the way, to be crowned Miss Florida in the history of that pageant. She was also a finalist on the hit TV show The Amazing Race, has appeared in a number of movies, including District 9, and she has even been a candidate for public office. She has used her platform and range of experiences to create valuable perspectives for organizations for 15 years and is a proud graduate of the University of Central Florida. She is currently the CEO and president of the Crown Communication Group in Orlando, Florida, which is a strategic consulting firm specializing in public and private sector community involvement campaigns. Very honored that she would take time out of her very busy schedule to come on the podcast. Erica Dunlap, great to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. It is exciting. You know, I got to tell you a story. So I remember actually watching your crowning back in 2004. So I was actually a news anchor at at the time at an NBC affiliate in Springfield, Missouri. And I'll never forget my co-anchor and I were sitting on the desk waiting for the 10 p.m. newscast. And they had up in the studio on the monitors the Miss America pageant. And we were waiting for it to be done so we could go on the air and, uh, you know, at that time, I hosted some pageants, so they, everybody started throwing down bets. They're like, who's going to win? And I remember it came <laughs> down to you and Miss Hawaii, and they're like, what do you think? And I'm like, Florida all the way, Florida all the way. And thanks to you, I won a few dollars that night. So <laughs> thank you so you know, much. I won quite a few people some money that night, and I'm very <laughs> grateful that I was able to do that. I wish I had um, known ahead of time so I could have gotten my percentage. I know. But... <laughs> you could have you called your bookie in Vegas and said, hey, where's my cut? What's going on here? Oh, gosh, that's fun. Well, thank you for believing in me then and now. Well, sure. Yeah, my pleasure. So, hey, just talk about what it was like at that time. I mean, mean, the mid-2000s were a big time uh, for pageants. I mean, there was a lot of ratings, you know, at that time, and a lot of people were watching. I mean, what was it like to be crowned Miss America back in 2004? As I think about it, it's so surreal sometimes that I set this goal when I was a little girl, and it was not just a goal for me, but it was just this ideal aspiration of what I would want to happen, not knowing that it actually would happen, but I kept pursuing it um, in the event that I would be able to one day be Miss America. And what's so interesting is that the year before I won, I visited the pageant for the first time. I went to Atlantic City for the first time um, because I had no idea that people could actually, like regular people could go to Miss America. (laughs) I thought you had to like, you know, all the award shows, I kind of expected that you needed to be invited or that you needed to live somewhere near in order to be a part of it. And once I realized that, hello, anybody can buy a ticket and you can go to 
the rehearsals and you can see some of the behind the scenes activity as a spectator, I was sold and I totally packed myself and my mom up and we went to Atlantic City for an entire week to watch the competition. And I vividly remember writing in my journal, this is where I want to be. I'm so excited and blessed to be here. And I can't wait to go back home and prepare to become Miss America 2005. So I I outdid myself by a year. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say so. But I think just being in the environment and being in that atmosphere really revved me up to put it as a major priority to me to to become Miss America because I knew what the power of the crown stood for and what it stands for is so much more than just those four points, which the four points that we have assigned, if you will, to the crown of scholarship, service, style, and success. Those are four um, ideal components, but the reality is, is that Miss America is an ambassador of joy. She is an ambassador of goodwill, and I think people misconceive just how important those things are for people who need hope and who, who need a little joy. And Miss America is able to do that as, 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 long, as well as our local and state contestants. So tell me something. During your reign, you made appearances on a lot of well-known TV shows. You went on the Oprah Winfrey show. You were on Hollywood Squares, live with Regis and Kelly at the time. And then uh, I think the O'Reilly Factor you went on as well. Talk about, for, for girls listening who, who aspire to be Miss America or Miss USA or whatever, what is it like as a national title holder to kind of make the media rounds and share your story with the world watching? What was so fun for me was that this was like a, 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 the most amazing internship that you could ever have. Um, my degree at the University of Central Florida at the time was studying public relations and advertising. And so becoming Miss America was by far the best internship you could ever have because not only was I the subject of the majority of those press junkets, but I also was able to learn about the industry and learn about um, how to do things properly and how to implement all the things that I learned throughout my my college education. One of the things that I, I typically advice for girls to keep in mind is that you don't want to say something that you think you should say. You need to take the time to get to know who you are, get to know what your convictions are, really pour into studying about the things that are important to you so that you can authentically present your very best you. And you can present your best you in a way that you you will be proud of yourself in 10 years, which is a little hard to frame when you're young, uh, what the next 10 years is going to be like. But certainly it goes by very quickly. And I'll tell you that I look back on some of my interviews and I think, you know, I was definitely being myself, my best self at that time. But I, I, I still kind of wish that I had been a little bit more relaxed and authentic to who I am. But it takes time to grow into that. So don't be too hard on yourself, but certainly just know who you are and know what it is that matters most to you and be able to articulate it and be able to defend it and be able to stand in front of an opposing crowd in addition to a loving audience that receives you well and be able to defend who you are and why you won your title. That part of it never ends. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think you brought up some really good points there, and, and one of them was the four points. And you mentioned, you know, you knew what Miss America stood for and represented. And, um, you know, I know you heard Mallory Hagan's podcast with us, and she talked about how over the years it seems like Miss America lost a little bit of, of being able to explain who Miss America is and what she does. And, you know, of course, that has evolved into, you know, some of the things that are going on right now, um, which are very relevant and current um, with the whole swimsuit category being removed. Now, 
I've read some quotes from you last week in the Wall Street Journal and the Orlando Sentinel about, you know, your position on the whole thing. Now, I certainly don't want to get into the whole drama of it, but I would just kind of love to hear your honest thoughts on the whole situation right now as an influential former Miss America. You know, I'm not interested in the drama of what is going on. Miss America organization is not new to controversy. My hope is that the Miss America organization remains viable and it's able to thrive to reach 100. That is my most sincere prayer because I'm a part of, I'm a member of four different organizations that have reached the 100 year mark. And there is nothing more amazing than to, to have that celebration and to know that 100 years ago, someone or a group of people started something that has been able to survive that long. Um, we're not going to see it again in our lifetime. So I certainly would like to do whatever I can as a former Miss America to spread truth and to offer perspective so that we can get to that point. How about going back to 2004? I mean, did you like uh, that portion of the competition? Did you enjoy, you know, getting ready for swimsuit? You know, I've been competing in pageants since I was six years old. And so I, I'm, I guess I'm just conditioned to that being a, a phase of competition. And quite frankly, I did enjoy it because it was the one time that I was able to prove that I really did work hard. It wasn't just a God-given gift like my singing talent mm -hmm. or even my interviewing skills, which your interview skills and your, your talent skills, you can always hone them and you can create more of a better, a better presentation for it. But when it comes to swimsuit, that is, that's you unfiltered in every way, shape, and form. And the work that you have to put in in order to feel confident and not only feel confident, but really present your very best in swimsuit is, I feel, far more daunting than preparing for talent or for interview and certainly for evening gown, which evening gown is it's the interpretation of who you are as your most elegant woman, the most elegant woman that you can be who are you in that moment? And so being able to see that grace and that poise on stage, that's one element of being Miss America that people take for granted is that we have a variety of events that you do throughout your, your year of service. You are serving in a volunteer capacity for um, various community organizations, but then you also attend quite a bit of dinners and galas and very fancy occasions where you need to be able to present your very best. And that's what all of those, all of the categories together create this one superpower uh, of, of presentation, if you will. And so I absolutely love swimsuit. I wish that it would remain because I see the value in it. And again, because, you know, the organization is 97 years old. And I think it, it speaks greatly to the potential of how we can alter or adjust swimsuit to fit the current time. But uh, we're in a very physically, sensually, almost sexually driven society uh, where we see a lot of body all the time. Um, and I I, I tell young women often, it's important for you not to think about being the skinniest in swimsuit or being, it's not about being the skinniest as much as it is about being your healthiest and your very best so that you can offer back to the audience and offer back to, to the various people that you'll meet throughout your year, the very best you that, that you have been blessed with. You know, and mm -hmm. I think that when you put that time in to work out daily, to manage what you eat, it reflects the type of woman that you're aspiring to be 
every single day. So do you feel like it's it's almost just a little overreaction to the Me Too movement just because that's, you know, kind of taken prominence in a lot of national pageants in the last couple of years? You know, the Me Too movement is one that I resonate with. I understand it. I have in, in various capacities shut down many men over the years and I do understand the dynamics of Me Too. However, Me Too and Miss America are not one and the same. Mm-hmm. And while it's something that our young ladies should be aware of and should have an opinion about and really should support, I don't feel as though it needs to overlap into the competition because they are mutually exclusive. Well, hey, I appreciate you sharing your, your your thoughts on that whole thing. I know a lot of people are just kind of wondering what's going on in there, and I'm sure just like you, we'll all be interested to see how the uh, actual uh, show comes out uh, here in a couple of months. So um, mm-hmm. let's real quick, you know, you and I were talking a little bit uh, before the podcast on, you know, life after the crown, and you wish there would have been something like this around back when you competed. So, you know, as you've been removed from, you know, the pageant since 2004, or not really removed from it, but just giving up your crown, what are some of the things that you have learned um, that you, you know, have taken from pageants that, you know, if, if you could go back to 2004 and say, I would have applied these things while I either had the crown or maybe even while I was just competing, what would some of those things be? During my time of competing, I would say that I'd, I'd probably change, you know, I wouldn't change anything. I, I'll be really honest with I you, only because... I worked so hard, not only that that year coming up to winning Miss City Beautiful, then Miss Florida, then Miss America, but I had the best team. And that would be my biggest advice is to dig deep and, and set an intention for the right team of people to come to you so that you can flourish and so that they can help to hone all of your special gifts that you don't even see in yourself. And that's what I had. I had an all-star team of professionals who range from performers and entertainers to those who um, worked at Disney. I'm fortunate to live in Orlando and to have such an extensive network of entertainers and um, entertainment professionals who were a part of my rearing, if you will, mm-hmm. as I'm just getting ready for the Miss America stage. And I mean, putting your team together, a lot of times you don't have to handpick them, but if you have the intention in your mind and you know that what you want to accomplish and what the goal is, your team is going to come to you and they will help you to package yourself in a way that only a group of people could do together. It, it, it really is a team effort. So um, I've done a lot of interviews on this with you know former state title holders and national title holders. And one of the common themes, I guess, that I, I continue to hear from each one of them is that day that you give up the crown, whether that's, you know, after you were a state title holder and that was the end, or in your case, you won Miss America, lived out another year, and then gave up the crown, they all seem to go through a little bit of a, you know, that next year is either uh, I don't know what to do or uh, depression or, you know, what do I do now? And, you know, I, I guess what happened for you and how did you handle it? Thanks for asking that. That's a very raw question. And it's one that we certainly should address more because I think people, um, they go into the goal of winning a particular title is usually because you expect that all of your dreams will come true after you win. And most of them do. However, there's still a, a deep element of you needing to 
find your purpose and find your belonging aside from the title. And so my advice to young ladies is to always work just as hard as if you never won. And that's the only way that you will be able to fight the depression that does come with winning a big title. And then it's over. And once it's over, I mean, there's nowhere else to go in the pageant system for me. I mean, after winning Miss America, I'm not switching over to the Miss USA competition because, you know, I'm done in that regard. And so um, essentially you win and then you retire. And in doing so, you find other ways to be fulfilled other than competing yourself. And you find other ways to compete. And so for myself, I started competing um, again in the, in the terms of I began a recording career. I have a, I produced my own country music album. And so in doing that, that was a form of competition because I had to consistently find material, write material that was going to be relevant, but then also things that spoke to what I was interested in and things that would be able to essentially go against some of the heavy hitters in country music at the time. And so you always have to find a way to continue to set more goals outside of just winning the title, because that's really just the beginning of who you are in your career from that point forward. Well, here's where you could probably give some really good advice right now at this very time. So we're in the middle of summer. Um, pageant season's about two months away, which means, you know, there's going to be a lot of new girls coming in. But that also means the girls who currently have their titles will be giving them up. And those are the ones that if they don't see it coming, it can be a real shell shock. What do you say to them with just a couple of months left? What what can they do right now to kind of be prepared for that transition? Well, you know, as soon as I gave up the title Miss America, I went back to school. And I think that's something that people overlook as a great option to keep your mind busy and to keep yourself goal setting is to continue on with your education. That's by far one of the most important things we can all do is to leverage our education. Um, I think a lot of people look to get into entertainment um, in some form or fashion after they're in a pageant. And you can certainly use all the skills that you learn throughout your time competing to apply it to the entertainment industry. But keep in mind that entertainment is very fickle. And it's one that, um, you know, if you just search through Instagram at any point in time during the day, everyone is looking to become famous for something that they do, whatever it is, whether they're comedians or they are trainers or they have amazing bodies or everybody's a brand, right? But in being your own brand, how much viability does your brand really have? You have to really dig deep and figure out, are you just selling t-shirts for the next 10 years of your life? Or are you expanding your education, expanding your awareness and expanding your knowledge to be able to provide a real impact for your brand. So your brand has to extend beyond your crown, and it has to be something that can leave a legacy as opposed to just being a moment in time. Well, you mentioned your, your country music album and, and kind of pursuing that side of things. Uh, now, there are a ton of pageant contestants that I talk to personally every fall that they have an interest in becoming, you know, maybe some sort of music star. Um, talk about kind of what it's like to travel that road and, and the challenges that, that come along with it. Well, I, I was doing something, as I always do. I like to take the harder ro- road for a lot of things. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was so encouraged, if you will, by, by winning Miss America. I did not know that I was going to win. I was not one of the contestants that expected that I was going to show up and show out and completely take the whole thing. Um, as you can see on my 
crowning moment. If you take the time to watch it, I was completely shocked and I was so excited. And in that moment, I had no idea what was ahead of me. But in going into the music industry, I really just thought I have to be able to do well because I want Miss America. <laughs> <You know>? um, <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. Who wouldn't want to put me, give me an album, right? And so um, what I learned through the process is that everything that you do from the moment you went on you still have to put in just as much work. Nobody's giving you anything. Nobody's going to hand you a recording deal because you're pretty and you won this America and you're talented. Big deal. You have to do more than that. And you have to actually put in the work, which means that you just have to work at it and you have to do your homework and you need to know the answers to the questions that you don't know are going to be asked. And that is very difficult to do. Um, but the best way to tackle that is, again, to do your homework and to know who is behind the scenes who may be able to help you to get in the forefront, um, because those are a lot of the people who really make it happen. And, you know, entertainment is great, but just keep in mind, there's a lot of politics as it relates to entertainment, and I wouldn't want anyone to think that they're not talented or they don't have what the goods, if you will, mm -hmm. um, if they don't get the recording contract or if they don't you know, land a role on Broadway, or if they don't um, become a mainstream actress. There's so many ways that you can impact the world creatively. And because of our cell phones and because of social media, you do have a greater and a broader audience that you can reach above and beyond becoming a big star. Well, I love the, the fact that you brought up, you know, the fact that, hey, I, I'm Miss America. Why wouldn't I do well at this? Um, I was actually talking uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I mean, you may have heard it. It's Shandy uh, Finnessy and Susie Castillo, who were Miss USA's at the same time you were Miss America. Yes, I love them. They were talking about, you know, you think, okay, I won the national crown. I, you know, I kind of, let's be honest, I'm kind of a big deal. And then you go into these, you know, for them it was auditions for, you know, hosting and acting. And they actually looked at them the other way, kind of like, uh-oh, here comes the pageant girl. Did you face that when it, when it came to music? Absolutely. And especially in country music, because several girls, especially from the South, have gone on to win their state titles. And they immediately would head to Nashville, because if you won your state title, surely you're good enough to make an album. And that's not that's not incorrect, but many times uh, people just wanted to meet me to see if I was stereotypical. <laughs> so that became kind of fun because the stereotype that people have, I, I don't even know, they've spread this crazy idea that Miss America or a beauty queen or a pageant winner is this super conceited, all-consumed girl who comes overdressed to everything. And people expect for me to literally be wearing my crown and my badge <laughs> and my gown everywhere I go. It's like, no, I'm a well-put-together individual, but I don't have to be overdone all the time. So fighting those ideas and those misconceptions, it was very difficult. But, you know, as my mom told me when I was a little girl, you know, you're, you're talented and you're beautiful and and people are not going to like you because of that. And you have to be okay with that. And I think people don't give credit to, you know, there's nothing wrong with being pretty. And there's nothing wrong with being a beauty queen. Because guess what? At the end of every parade, if it's not Santa Claus, it's a beauty queen. Mm -hmm. And you need us. <laughs> so <laughs> for parades. <laughs> there is a reason for the beauty queen role. And you can absolutely be intelligent and be beautiful. 
You can be talented and be beautiful. You can do anything that people try to stop you from doing when you are a young woman who has been gifted and gifted differently. And we all have a variety of, of gifts that we have been given. And are we using those gifts daily? Because if you're beautiful and you're only using it for yourself, then what does it matter? Your beauty needs to extend to other people. And you have to figure out how are you going to make someone else's day beautiful with all the, that gorgeousness that you have? I mean, how are you going to impact somebody's world in a way that makes a difference? Yeah. Well, speaking of overcoming misconceptions, in this case, uh, you know, being a, a beauty queen, um, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, you were the first black woman ever to win Miss Florida. And then you were the seventh woman, uh, black woman to win Miss America. Now, I know diversity has been a big platform for you and an issue that you talk about regularly. Um, and that has certainly taken the main stage the last couple of years for both Miss America, Miss USA. So do everybody uh, a favor listening. Uh, from your standpoint, exactly what does diversity and inclusion mean at this point? And, and what would you like to see continue to happen inside the pageant world? Well, for me, diversity and inclusion is the representation of diverse perspectives. And so we have to look at it not only from ethnic and racial uh, disparities, but also are we balanced with the generational perspective from, you know, whatever the entity is. So, for example, if it's a board of directors or perhaps if it's, you know, some grouping of people, a company or an organization, it's important to have the various perspectives of your audience. And once you know who your audience is, you have to amend to be able to really reach them and to be able to engage them even further and to forward your mission, whatever that may be. And so we also have to take into consideration physical ability and we have to take into consideration um, religious and language variations. And I think it's really important that diversity is obviously considered as the individual perspective, but the inclusion part of that is making sure that those perspectives have a seat at the table. What does that mean? That means that they are a part of the conversation to solve a problem, whatever the problem may be. And I think that as far as pageants go, it is, I mean, we're, it's 2018 and we're still seeing young women who are the first um, in their state to carry a title and they're the first Asian, first Black and first Latina. And why does that matter? A lot of people wonder, well, why do you make it such a big deal? Well, it is a big deal. You know why? Because there is a generation of little girls who need to see women achieving, women who look like them doing great things so that they also have the idea that they have the trajectory to be able to do those things too, that the barrier is not completely above their heads and they can't overcome that. So it's important that we continue to celebrate when a first is accomplished because that means that we are making progress. That means that we are focused on the future and the future surely is one that's very diverse and we have to know how to respond to and engage with people who are different from us. Well, I think you make a great point there and I'm going to share a story with you that actually is very relevant that actually happened this year and I know she wouldn't mind me sharing it because she told me about it. Uh, Kavya Sambasivam, who was a fourth runner-up this year at Miss Teen USA. She is Indian and I don't mean American Indian. She's from the country of India. And mm-hmm. you know, she grew up, like many, saying, you know, I, I used to just see a, a lot of white women And she said, the first time when I saw Nina Davalori, who was probably a friend of yours, win Mm -hmm. Miss America, she's like, that was the moment that I said, I want to continue to represent my culture 
by competing. And sure enough, this year, I mean, she did awesome. She was she was great, and I, I was uh, definitely part of her journey and, and just really enjoyed doing that with her. It is nice to see that there is that, you know, wide spectrum um, and, and not making it so much just about, you know, like you said, race and, race and ethnicity, but just looking at people, then you say they're, they're like me. Is that kind of what it feels like? Absolutely. I mean, when I was a little girl watching not only pageants, but just looking in magazines, it was very difficult to find examples and role models beyond my family members. And that has definitely changed over the past 30 years. And I'm grateful for that because now other young women are able to see examples of women who are educated, they are entrepreneurial, they have succeeded in a variety of industries and organizations, and they've thrived. And girls have awesome role models at their fingertips because they can go on Wikipedia and they can go on Google and they can search for these people and they can see them. But in the 80s, that wasn't available to us. And so watching Miss America and watching Debbie Turner, who was Miss America in 1990, an African-American woman, win Miss America was, I mean, that was like, that made my life up until I won myself. <laughs> you know? um, so it's very important for women who, and traditionally speaking, brown women, black women, have had a very hard time being respected as capable and as beautiful. And I think that um, when you're able to see someone who is not of the majority culture and who is not a traditional classic beauty, but is certainly worthy of being a, a representative of what is beautiful because of her story, not only because of her exterior, but because of, you know, who she has grown to become. I think that, that is the most empowering thing that we can continue to do is to ensure that young women of every background have a connection to someone that represent the best of what they can be. Well, then I have some good news for you because I have talked to quite a few young contestants who said Erica Dunlap was one of the main reasons I started competing. So know that you are making a difference. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, that is like, that blows my mind. I go to... I go to pageants now and, you know, I just, I have done everything from judging to hosting to mentoring and coaching. Um, I have played every role as it relates to the pageant realm. And I just, I get so choked up when girls tell me that because this is what I worked so hard for is to be an impact and to be an influence and to do it in a way that would inspire people to really be authentic and to present their very best self and then to live with passion and enthusiasm. That is my mission. And so it's just so heartwarming when, you know, girls who are like, oh, I was five years old when you won Miss America, but now I'm competing in Miss America pageant. (laughs) Like, oh my God, that's so great. (laughs) It's very inspiring to me and it helps me to keep knocking down the barriers for the other things that I'm endeavoring, which, you know, having my own business and being in a male dominated field in the type of work that I do, it's just so exciting to to know that I am laying a path for other young ladies for another 15, 20 years from now to be able to say that because I overcame something as Erica Dunlap and I set a goal and I knocked that goal down and I achieved it, that other people are going to be able to do the same thing with that example. Well, and I think what's great about you is, you know, it didn't end with Miss America. I mean, you've continued to do many things. Uh, one of the things that I'd love to talk about, if you don't mind, is last year you were a candidate for a, a District 5 representative in the Orlando City Council in Florida. Um, and I know, uh, I believe your predecessor, Erica Harold, is running for attorney general in Illinois. So, you know, politics is definitely part of that, you know, 
maybe next career for a lot of Miss Americas. What is it like to run for public office in today's political climate? It's grueling. <laughs> Can I just be completely honest with you? Well, I, I figured that was about going to be the case. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the truth. And the truth is, is that it is hard work. It is hard work, but it's very worthwhile because the people that I met along that year of campaigning, it was a full I mean, you really kind of never stop campaigning, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I don't know what my political career um, holds ahead of me because I'm not, it's not my, you know, I don't need it. And I think a lot of people, even in pageants, I found over the years that so many girls needed to win that they were so disappointed when they didn't. And you have to be balanced and realistic. You shouldn't need anything that bad, to be honest. And so for me, I'm, I'm studying the landscape and I'm deciding where. I would go if I decide to continue on politically. But what I really appreciated about it was that I gained such a respect for anyone, regardless of your affiliation, regardless of whether or not I agree with your ideologies. I just have such great respect for anyone who runs a campaign because it's hard work and you literally, you don't get to skirt around just because you're a high profile person or you have a major business and you have a lot of money that you can put into your campaign or whatever your circumstances are. Everyone is really in equal footing. And it is important for you to remember that you have to walk neighborhoods, knock on doors. You're constantly selling yourself. You are talking about what it is that you believe that could be an impact to the community and how you can make significant difference. And you are, you're pitching all day long to people to believe in you. And, and you're asking for them to take your qualifications and recognize that they really can provide a solution. And that is so exciting. And it's literally what I've been doing even before winning Miss America. I mean, I feel like I started my political career when I was a kid mm-hmm. because you are gaining the intelligence. You're constantly sponge learning all of these things about the people around you and the community that you live in. And it's really important that you're able to um, articulate just what it is that you want to do to make a difference and how you feel like you can do that. And politically, um, I think there's room for quite a few more young women who are a part of pageantry because we already have the polishing. It's already there. You know how to speak to the media. You know how to engage people. You know how to talk to people of varying classes, of different socioeconomic backgrounds. You know how to talk to people of so many different categories. You really become a perfect candidate. Well, I read through the issues that you ran on. And, you know, one of the big ones was, you know, the role that local government should play in job creation. Now, as somebody, you know, in the Orlando, Florida area, that section of the country that we're talking about at this point, what made you so passionate about that issue in particular? Well, I am from the district that I was looking to represent. And so, you know, sometimes people are from somewhere else and they moved to a place and they decided that they wanted to get involved with their community, which there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I have a vested interest in the area because my family lives there. Many of my family friends live there. My friends live there. My neighbors. I I had to take into consideration the elderly voices that were not heard and that still are not being heard. And how was I going to be able to speak for that generation? Because I have the energy and I have the youth behind me to run around and, you know, campaign and to put all this effort out. I felt like it was important for me to do that for them um, because I'm hoping that in 40 years from now, 
somebody's going to be a voice for me. And you really do have to pay it forward. And that needs to be the, the, the forethought of any campaign that you're running, whether it is getting ready for a pageant or getting ready for politics. You have to think about how are you paying it forward for the next generation behind you to be able to make a difference? And what bricks are you laying down for them to be able to walk on? Well, I really love that you look at it like that. And now you have done something that, you know, somebody who's running for local politics doesn't usually get to do. It's more for the national politicians. And that is you have gone overseas to visit our military. I believe when you were Miss America, you went to the Middle East. And then uh, I know you, I believe you went back to Afghanistan uh, sometime later to help, you know, boost morale for the troops. What is it like for those who have never, you know, been in that experience and only see the news reports of what's going on overseas? What's it like to be there with them and just see, you know, what they're feeling and, and you know, what you can do for them? It is amazing. It's awe-inspiring. It is soul stirring because I got to meet men and women and particularly young women who were my age who gave me perspective on what their life was like for them to be away from their family, away from everything that's comfortable for them, away from even the comforts of a grocery store, a convenience store, um, to be able to get their life necessities. There is nothing more empowering than being around the people in the military who have just endured. And I'm so, so very grateful uh, to be able to share some type of inspiration, some hope, some motivation, some morale. When I go on those types of trips, it's because I know that I have a set of gifts that is going to possibly help someone get through their day. And it's my job to make sure that I am giving those gifts on a daily basis and spreading that inspiration on a daily basis so that someone else can do what they're supposed to be doing, doing what they're called to do and finding what it is that motivates them to keep going. And going to Afghanistan was, it was <laughs> really phenomenal. One of the things that I have always remembered from those experiences I had a young man to walk over to me. I was wearing a purple shirt. I'll never forget. And he walked over to me and he said, thank you for smiling and thank you for wearing color. <laughs> and I thought that, that was so bizarre at first. But then I realized that, you know, they're in, I mean, at night we stayed in the barracks the last time that I went to Afghanistan. We, we you know, lived amongst the soldiers. Mm -hmm. And quite literally, I mean, you heard missiles, <laughs> you heard rockets, you heard all kinds of things. They weren't necessarily close, but you could hear it. And I mean, just that was only for seven days for me. So can you imagine seven months to two years um, in that environment? It can be very daunting and it can be very wearing on your spirit. And so something as simple as a smile, which many of them may not have it in them to, you know, just walk around smiling about, that was something that inspired that person. And that made the entire trip complete for me. And from that moment on, I actually started to pay attention to the colors that I was wearing, because if you're wearing browns and grays and drab colors on a consistent basis, that affects your attitude. And so wearing colors that are bright and cheerful, they help other people to be happy just as much as it helps you to feel happy. So I try to impart that as often as possible, and especially from that experience. Well, what a humbling perspective. I mean, just to think about the fact that a smile and a purple t-shirt literally made someone's <laughs> day. I mean, seriously, made someone's day. Yeah. So look, if you're in the military and you're listening, thank you. 
thank you for what you're doing. I mean, that just, I mean, that, that honestly, that, that gives me chills thinking about, you know, what that must feel like. Now, I do want to talk about a little lighter-hearted subject. Um, as we mentioned at the top, you were on The Amazing Race. Um, I, I actually had Candace Pelletier on uh, two weeks ago. She was on it twice. Yeah, um, and I believe you were on season 15. Um, they, they seem to love former pageant girls. Well, how did you kind of get the uh, get the opportunity and the and what was the experience like? Well, just like with everything else, I had to go through the audition process. I wasn't recruited. There are, have been people who were recruited to be on various TV shows and especially reality type shows. But we sent in a video. We genuinely just loved watching the show. And so my husband and I at the time, we just decided, let's try it. I mean, there are regular people who are getting on this show every day. And we're pretty extraordinary, so why don't we just go for it? <laughs> so we did, and we got on. And it was like, it took over my entire summer because we started the process in, I think, March of that year when we sent off our initial application. Mm -hmm. And then we heard back from them in April. And then by May, we had to send in our video. And then we had to go through a round of interviews. And then we were flown out to L.A. and being interviewed there on set with you know, the producers. And then we had to take our psychological tests. And, you know, we kept going through this whole process for months before we actually um, got to leave and be on the show. And it was the most amazing thing that I have encountered because I got to travel the world for free, number one. Mm -hmm. And all I had to do was play the game. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's right. But it was great. Um, I got to visit Japan for the first time. I went to Dubai, Cambodia. Um, we went to Estonia, Prague, just some amazing countries that are not normally on the bucket list um, for a lot of people. And I got a chance to, to go to them. And I just, I'm so grateful for it. Um, I think the hardest thing that I experienced during that time was just not getting caught in, you know, the Hollywood of it. Oh, yeah. Because there, there's a there's... big element of you just have to perform for the camera. Well, you also have to be true to yourself. And I stand by that with everything that you do. You always have to be forthright and honest with who you are and who you want to be in the next 10, 15 years. I don't want my future children and grandchildren to be embarrassed by something that grandma did <laughs> you know? yeah, oh my. 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> um, I certainly want to present my very best of myself. And, and it gets difficult when you have cameras in front of you 24-7. You have a mic pack that's on you. Um, constantly throughout the time. I mean, you could turn your mic pack off to go to the bathroom and that was it. So your privacy is non null and void. But the fun part is that, you know, if you look at the bigger picture, you get to experience cultures, you get to experience the food, you get to really be immersed in everything that you watch on television from a lot of these different countries. And that was the best part of the experience for me. Well, it sounds like it was a lot of fun. Now, outside of the experience itself, did you get any opportunities because of appearing on The on the Amazing Race? I did here and there, um, but I really didn't pursue it because <laughs> The Amazing Race was, it was definitely fun in its time, but it was a competition and you know, we were going for a million dollars. So that was a big deal for me. And, um, hey, you came not, close. I, I did. I got really, really close. Um, and it just, it it was meant for the people who won because they really were just amazing strategists mm -hmm. um, to be able to get to the final round of the competition. And so I just kind of strayed away from it after it was over. I, I didn't feel the, I, I didn't like the way that the producers decided to, to edit 
my footage and how they presented my quote character um, wasn't appealing to me. And there's nothing you can do about that because when you are giving yourself over to producers, you know, you just kind of have to take what they give. You know, I think that's uh, that's pretty – I don't think I've ever heard anybody that said, I loved how the producers presented me. And almost every time people are like, yeah, they, <laughs> they, they put me in a bad light. They tried to make it all dramatic, and it wasn't. Yeah, and I'm not a dramatic person. You know, I tell people all the time, I'm a beauty queen, not a drama queen. And quite frankly, I want nothing to do with – all of the the negative aspects that they drew from from different cutaways that really didn't even they weren't correlating to the actual moment and so there were audio clips that would be laid on top of day six but it was audio from day three mm-hmm. you know that's it's not real life you know but if there was something that you do on a consistent basis you're habitual to yourself and so a lot of things you don't know that you do, they're going to be captured on camera. (laughs) And so they're able to take advantage of that and to really manipulate it and navigate it towards the character that they want you to become as opposed to the character that you really are on a daily basis. So I just tell people often, you know, it's fun to go on those games and to aspire for that, but even more so take the time to, really use your impact for what matters most, which is the people who have invested in you over the years, um, the future generations of young people who need to learn from you, and also just, you know, focus on things that are going to leave a lasting legacy and an impact. And reality TV is fun, but there's going to be something other in the next five to 10 years that we can all say, we want to be a part of next. Let me just say thank you for saying that because I, I, I have had uh, three women in the last three years call me and say I've been uh, contacted by The Bachelor and they want me to come on. Ah. And I have steered them away from it because exactly of what you said. It ends up just not being a great experience for the ones that actually do go on at least you know 95% of the time. And so, you know, normally they reach out to the, the former pageant folks and say, hey, you're pretty. Let's put you on. You'll, you'll be good TV. But right. they, they're also just using them to, to make some sort of dramatic story out of it. So thank you for saying that, because I think that should, you know, for those of you listening, please hear Erica out. It's not always what it's cracked up to be. It isn't. And I just want to protect as many people as possible, because I think you expect that because you have pure intentions that the producers will also. And that's not always the case. So you just have to, you know, take it, take the experience for what it's worth and don't get too caught up in it and don't get caught up in the drama of it. Um, and then figure out how you're going to leverage it for your benefit after the, the filming completes. Some great advice there. Well, hey, I certainly don't want to let you go without talking about what you are currently doing. And that and we mentioned it at the top Crown Communication Group. It's a strategic consulting firm. So talk about exactly what is a strategic consulting firm and, and what do you kind of do every day with your business? So I am a, I've always been a proponent of helping people to find the best in themselves or in an idea that they have. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I do every day. And so I strategically create plans of action to help people go from concept to completion. And so that means how do we take your idea for whatever your brand is, and then we create the logo, the web presence, the social media engagement. We create the video production that helps to get your message out. And then we provide a platform to ensure that there is additional media coverage 
for you, for your audience to be able to connect to you and find out more about who you are and what you can offer. How did you get into that? I went to school for this. So I am using my degree in public relations and advertising on a daily basis to um, help my clients to achieve not only additional media engagement and awareness, but also finding ways to involve the community and create a platform for them to be connected beyond just on television or on the radio ads. Um, a lot of times my clients are looking to engage with a nonprofit organization that they can support. And the best part of what I do is I am connected to such a variety of people and such a really cool network of people that I get to craft the mission or craft the, the path for the mission to become accomplished. So that is just a really exciting thing to do every single day. I work for museums, corporations, uh, for community organizations, and I help to pull them all together so that they can get the type of investment, community investment that they need to, to have in order to be successful. So do you have like a grand vision of maybe what success looks like for you with this organization? I mean, what would be your, your grand plan, if you will, that you would love to see come to fruition? Well, I not only represent other brands, but I also represent some of my own concepts and ideas that I feel are brilliant and completely genius. And I would love to see for those things take effect and to actually become what I envision for them to become and what I believe they have the potential to turn into, which would be very fruitful, long-lasting brands that people can relate to and that they'll be able to enjoy for decades to come. Well, look, I love what you're doing and I, just the success and, you know, just how you continue to, to push yourself and grow well beyond Miss America. It's so awesome to hear all these stories and thanks so much for sharing them and being on the podcast today. My pleasure. It's been so great to talk with you and I look forward to meeting you sometime soon and Hopefully for anyone who's listening, um, I look forward to getting a chance to meet you as well and um, just engaging with you. I mean, social media is the easiest way, of course, but there are plenty of other ways to be able to meet up and hopefully get to know each other. Yeah, well, speaking of, is, is there a way that uh, ladies can reach out to you if they just, you know, if you're they're idle or if they just want to, you know, get some advice from you? That's so sweet. Thank you. Yes. Um, anybody can find me at Erica Dunlap on all the social media platforms. I respond myself and I'd be happy to reach out to you and to talk a little bit more about your journey. And um, again, my name is spelled with a C and a K. So, it's E-R-I-C-K-A-D-U-N-L-A-T. A lot of people um, forget the C and the K, but, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I am, I am all things. So I had to have all the letters in my name. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out, huh? It worked out. Erica, Miss America. Well, hey, Erica, you're awesome. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Tim. You have a great one. That is today's episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. You can do so on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, the podcast app, Google Play, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And by the way, if you're still involved in the pageant world and you're wondering, well, what is Life After the Crown going to look like for me and how do I prepare for it? Well, I highly encourage you to download my free Life After the Crown starter guide. It's a quick read. It's going to give you a great blueprint on how to start planning now and not when it's all over. So to get it, just go to timtialdo.com slash starter guide and you can get it there for free. And for weekly podcast updates, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at timtialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Proverbs 3. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. 
Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Make it a great week, everybody.